0: these words after me silently in your heart. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I give you my mind, I give you my strength. Would you preach through us, Lord God? In Jesus' name, amen. I met him 12 years ago in Krakow, Poland, just a few miles from Auschwitz and Buchenwald. And over time, I learned his story. Clay was lying in his bed when they came for him, they ripped him right out of that bed. They they drove him for miles and he didn't know where they were going. Then they threw him in a cold, dark holding tank. He must have felt like Joseph in Potiphar's prison. After more days than he could count, they took him out and began to beat him. They beat him and they beat him and they beat him. They beat him like the angel beat Jacob at the river Jabbok at the edge of the Promised Land. They, they beat him and they beat him until he was like mush. You know, Jacob was chosen, so the God-man beat him and then named him Israel. Well, they beat Clay until his whole body was out of joint. Then they cut him, mended the wound, and cut him again. They doused him in cold water. They beat him and they slapped him some more. They put him on a table and spun him around, thrust hands into the open wound that uh, was his belly. And then they left him alone in the dark until they lit the fire. It was a furnace, a furnace not unlike that into which Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had been Throne, uh, If you remember, in the book of, of Daniel, those three Jews escaped unburned. But an untold number did not. In Auschwitz and Buchenwald, I saw the ashes of thousands of the chosen people burned by the Third Reich. But it's not just ethnic Jews that are chosen. The twelve disciples are chosen. They're ethnic Jews. They're chosen. They, they, suffered, uh, well, they suffered more and, and worse fates than even those in Auschwitz. They're chosen, and yet the disciples, not all the disciples of, of Jesus are, are Jews, and Jesus says that they're chosen, and he says to us, in this world you will have tribulation. Well anyway, Clay got out and yet he thought that he was as good as dead for a time. As the room began to heat, Clay felt as if his heart were made of wax and then melted within his chest, leaving a hole and a desperate longing for, for love. It seemed as if he were losing his mind. His soul was crushed and all his strength was drained away and he must have wondered, God, where are you? What are you doing? He may not have put it this way but but he must have wondered does love work? Does obeying your law, my Lord, does love work? Does does it work? Does it work? Does it work? Deuteronomy 5, Moses recounts the Ten Commandments to Israel. Then in Deuteronomy 6, he says this. Now, this is the commandment, singular, the one commandment. This is the commandment, singular, the statutes and the rules, plural, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. God is saying, if you keep the commandment, you'll be blessed. And if you break the commandment, you'll be cursed. Now, this is the commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. You understand the whole commandment is love. Some think that that's just a Christian thing. But you see, it's also a Jewish thing and even a Muslim thing. Moses spells out the details of the, the commandment through the rest of the book of Deuteronomy. That is what love Looks like. We refer to it as number one, the ceremonial law regulating Israel's relationship with God through the sacrifices and offerings, and and number two, the moral law regulating Israelites' uh, relationships with each other. Then in chapter 28, toward the end of Deuteronomy, to Israel, Moses says this If you're careful to do all of this, you'll be blessed. Then in verse 15, but if you don't do all of this, all of these curses will come upon you. So what is all of this that they must do? Love. And so, of course, for 1,500 years, Israel and the Jews suffered curses and argued. They argued a lot. Scribes, Sadducees, Pharisees, priests, and lawyers, they argued about the law, what exactly it is, and how to make it work. In other words, they argued about love, what exactly it is, and how to make it, how to make it work. Just, just like we argue with each other and complain to God whenever we suffer, because you say stuff like this. I, I don't get it. God, I don't get it. I, I mean, I, I'm a good person. I, I tithe to my, my, my church. I'm nice to the neighbors. And now I find out that my, my husband wants a divorce. My kids hate me. The dog is, is sick. It doesn't work. Love doesn't work. Well, anyway, Clay must have wondered, where is God? And does love work? Well, for 1,500 years, the Jews tried to obey the law felt the curse and argued for 1500 years and then they met Jesus. Matthew 22 and, and Mark 12, they seem to record the they seem to record this same event which, which must have occurred over and over and over again. In an event in which Jesus recites Deuteronomy 6. Let's read Matthew 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, because you remember Pharisees and Sadducees are arguing and arguing about the law all the time. They gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? You see why that matters, right? Which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's Leviticus 19. On these two commandments depend, uh, crematei, literally hang, all the law and the prophets. In, In Mark 12, the scribe responds, You are right, teacher. And to do this is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So the commandment is love God and love your neighbor, and on this hangs all the law and the prophets, and to do this would be the ultimate sacrifice and offering. The commandment is love. And the question is, does it work? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, All your mind and Mark adds in on Jesus' mouth, all, all your all your strength. Well, if you are to love God with all those things, love is not those things, right? Love is not your feelings. Love is not your decisions, love is not your thinking, love is not your doing, but love feels, love decides, love thinks, and love does, and yet this is the commandment, you shall love. That's kind of weird, huh? Well, you are to love the Lord with all your feelings, that's, I think, all your heart. And you are to love him with, with all your decisions. I think that's what constitutes your, your psyche your, or your, your soul. You are to freely, freely choose love. You are to love him with all your mind. You are commanded to think with all your brain. To be anti-intellect or anti-intellectual, you see, is to be anti-loving God with all your brain. And you are to love him with all your strength. That's all your energy, your income, your resources, your money. Not 10%. And now remember that while you're loving him with all your strength, you need to be loving him with all your heart and with all your soul. That means you must give 100% and be like 100% overjoyed to do it all the time.
1: And now let me ask, does it
0: help you, does it help you uh, to love freely, passionately, and fully if God says to you, love me or die? That's so why I said to my wife on a honeymoon night, love me freely, passionately, and me fully with all your heart, or die. I actually didn't say that, because that would have killed her. Or it would have killed me to her. And yet God basically says that in Deuteronomy. At the end of the book, he lays out the blessings and, and the curse and the description uh, of the curse. I mean, you can read it, but it, it'll just scare you to death. Love me or die will, will, will scare you to de- death, or, or, or maybe you're already dead. For in Genesis 2, God says to the Adam, the day you eat of it, the day you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of the good, what's that? Well, wouldn't that be the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of, of love, because love is the good. The day you eat of, the, the, of, the, of, the, of, that, of that fruit, you, you will die. I want to know what love is, I want you to show me, I want to feel what love is. Foreigner sings it better, right? I want you to show me, and God says, is that right, Adam? There's a tree, and the day you eat of it, you will die, said God to the Adam- In the beginning so maybe we're already dead that'd be a great plot to a movie right maybe we're already dead and we just don't know it well here's a picture of adam that means man that's this is da vinci's vitruvian man in a in a speedo i drew the speedo because we're a church i don't want to lead you astray and the and the lord says to the adam love me with all your heart soul mind and strength So, you see, there's a vertical component uh, to this commandment called love. A vertical component, but not just vertical. Jesus says, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And and the second, love your neighbor, the second is like it. It it means not only like, but even uh, the same. And think about it. The two commandments must be the same. For if you love the Lord your God with all you've got, how much would you have left with which to love your neighbor? Right? If you love the Lord your God with all you've got, how much would you have left with which to love your neighbor? Nothing! Unless God was in your neighbor. If God is not in your neighbor, then loving your neighbor would be idolatry because you'd be loving your neighbor with stuff that belongs to God as if your neighbor were God. But if God is in your neighbor, then loving your neighbor could be a form of worshiping God and your neighbor like a temple at which you offered your heart, mind, soul, and strength to God. And then whatever you did to your neighbor, even the least of these your neighbors, you'd be doing to God. So if you don't believe God is in your neighbor, you cannot love your neighbor or love God. You can only pretend to love and then you become a lie about love, you become, become false. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, as you love your, yourself. And so maybe you also have to believe that God is in yourself in order to not idolize yourself. And actually love yourself so you could love your neighbor as yourself, and in this process, be loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Well, I mean, Those are just some crazy things to think about. But anyway, Jesus said you should love your neighbor as yourself. I, I, I would think that would mean that you would be as patient, kind, and forgiving of your neighbor as you are of yourself. Uh, wouldn't that mean that if you had two coats and your neighbor had no coat you'd give him one of your coats and really be like uh, delighted to give him your coat just as delighted as if you put on a warm coat y- yourself and and if you had two new cars and your neighbor had no cars you'd be thrilled to give your neighbor one car. to me just as thrilled with his new cars you would be with with your new car and granted scripture does say this if a man won't work don't let him eat but even this must be love in other words um, you need to be concerned uh, if you if you have a healthy a healthy, wonderful desire to be fruitful to work you need to be just as concerned that your neighbor has a healthy wonderful desire to be fruitful and to work and to en- enjoy his work see if if I would give everything to save my own life then love must mean that I would give everything to save my neighbor's life even if that neighbor was my worst enemy 1 Corinthians 13, Paul describes love. So if you you want to know how you're doing, whether or not you're fulfilling uh, this commandment, you can simply plug your name into Paul's description of love. For instance, I would would, uh, recite the, the following statement and ask if it's true. Peter is patient and kind. Peter does not envy or boast. Peter is not arrogant or rude. Peter does not insist on his own way. Peter is not irritable or resentful. Peter does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Peter bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Peter never ends. Peter never fails. Now, I know I'm a pastor and everything, but that just doesn't seem entirely true. For me. So, to the extent that it's not true for me, I must be a false me. And so, I deserve to die, for the soul that sins shall surely die, says the Lord. Well, anyway, Jesus says on these two commandments hangs all the law and the prophets. So, the commandment has a vertical component and the commandment has a horizontal component. Is that a curse or a blessing? If you take love as a law, you know, I I think it's a death sentence. It cannot make you love, but it can reveal that you don't love because you're dead. At the end of Deuteronomy, Moses reveals that Israel can't love. For God had not yet given them a heart, eyes, and, and ears to love. That's Deuteronomy 29.4. And so all the curses will come upon them. That's Deuteronomy 31. How do you like that? He gives them the commands, and you're not able to do it, and this is what will happen. In Joshua, at the end of Joshua, Joshua says to the people, choose this day whom you will serve. And then he says, you are not able to serve the Lord. The prophets reveal that Israel has a stone heart, and so of course she can't serve the Lord or love the Lord. Sometimes I hear, preachers, I hear preachers say, well, God would never ask you to do something that you couldn't do. And I think, my goodness, what Bible are you reading? Other people will say, well, okay, fine. It does, it does say some stuff about, about that, but, but if we're already dead in our trespasses and sins and the uncircumcision of the flesh, like, like the Bible says, if we're already dead, why try? Why even try? And that's a fascinating question that I'd like us to return to in a minute, but isn't it interesting that we all do try? I was thinking about that this week. I've never met someone that didn't try to love, Uh, to love and be loved. If someone did not try to love, I don't think that we would even refer to them as a human. You know, every idolater is trying to love God. They they just don't understand God or or know God and, and therefore really don't understand love. I now see that every bully in the bathroom at Grant Junior High was longing for love, and that's why they beat me up. (laughs) They were hoping to take it for themselves by taking it from me. Even Hitler was trying to love Germans. How? By scapegoating Jews. Even Caiaphas, the high priest, was trying to love the Jews by what? Crucifying Jesus, the Christ. We all try to love, fail at love, and then die. All of us, every atom made of Adamah. Adamah is Hebrew for clay. So does love work? Well, it seems the answer is no, because none of us can make love work. But what if you truly did love and never did not love would it would it work then Have you ever thought about that? You know, what if I really, what if I really, really, really did love the way the Bible talks about love? I think we all long for love, but we are terrified of absolute love. Even as I was describing love, I bet some of you were thinking. You do think this. You think, oh, that's a nice idea, preacher. (laughs) Peter, that's nice. I understand you have to say that. That's a really nice idea. Uh, But if you really turn the other cheek, if you really gave your coat and your cloak to anyone that asked, like Jesus says, if you really loved your neighbor as if, even, even if, even if he, he was your enemy, Peter, if you really love like that, you get yourself crucified. So I'll dream about love. Yeah, I, that's a nice, I'll dream about love on Sunday morning, but I am terrified of really, of, of real love. I'm terrified of real love. Why? Because it doesn't work. It'll get you crucified. read about a young soldier in World War II that dove into a foxhole uh, trying to save his life. He frantically dug deeper and deeper down into the foxhole, and in the process, he uncovered this crucifix. It was in Italy in World War II. He uncovered the crucifix, and, and he held it in his hand, and just then, another soldier jumped in with him. The first soldier turned to the second soldier, held up the crucifix, and said, Oh, I am so glad to see you. How do you work this thing? <laughs> Does a crucifix work? Or does it work you? Does it work to save your life? Or does it cause you to lose your life? Jesus said, if you want to follow me, pick up a cross and and lose your life, your soul, your psyche, and you'll find it. So does a crucifix work? Does does love work? work. Of course, we know of only one man that truly loved and always loved and never broke the commandment, and it got him crucified. Matthew 22, verse 40, he said, On these two commandments hangs cremati from the verb verb cremanumi, cremanumi. (laughs) hangs all the law and, and the prophets. It can't be an accident that Jesus chose that verb in the Greek, or the authors did in the Greek, chrymonomy. It appears seven times, only seven times in the New Testament, and each time it describes, it describes something that would kill a man. Once a millstone hung around the neck once a snake hanging on the Apostle Paul's arm. And four times, five times, if you include this time, uh, cremanumi describes hanging a man on a tree. Jesus says, on these two commandments hangs cremati, all the law and the prophets. Jesus is the embodiment of the law. Jesus is the great prophet. Uh, that Moses talked about in Deuteronomy. Jesus is greater than all the sacrifices and offerings. And this is love, not that we love God, writes John, but that he loved us and gave his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is the commandment of God. Of course he is, why? Because Jesus is the the Word uh, of God. And, And as we know, 1 John 4, God is what? Love. In Deuteronomy 29, Moses reveals that the people cannot fulfill the commandment of love. But then get this, in Deuteronomy 30, Moses reveals that the commandment is not too hard for them. And the commandment is not too far from them. In fact, it's a word that's in their mouths and in their hearts. That's all incredibly confusing until St. Paul quotes Deuteronomy 30 and Romans 10 revealing that this word is the word of faith. And this word of faith is the commandment. And the commandment is Christ, the word of love, love who is God. So do you get the picture? God is love. And His word is His commandment. And his commandment in human flesh is Jesus. And his commandment in our flesh is faith, which is Jesus in us. He gets put there by grace, revealed upon a cross where we lose our life and find it. Jesus said, on these two commandments, that are one commandment, hangs cremati, all the law and the prophets, And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. (laughs) Jesus revealed that he's the son of David. In other words, that he's he's a man, Adam, made of Adamah, and Jesus then revealed that he is the the son of God. He is the word of God in human clay, and and God is love. God is love, which I think clearly reveals that all true love is God, so does love work? No. No, no, no. What I I mean by that is love or or God is not a tool. God is not your tool. Do you see, just asking the question the way we ask it, just asking does love work, assumes God must work for some other reason. When he is the reason everything works. Just asking, does love work, assumes that God is a thing to be used like a hammer or a saw, a a tool, used for your own ends to help you build whatever you're building. And I bet you're building an ego. Just asking, does love work, assumes that God is, I don't know how to say it, but, but your whore. It assumes that love is to be used to simply satisfy your own desires. Just asking, does love work, assumes that love is like fruit hanging on a tree for you to take and consume in in, in order to make yourself in the image of God. Just asking, does love work, assumes that love is, is only a law, only a law that you could decide to obey or not obey. It assumes that love is dead, not life. Just asking, does love work, is crucifying love so he can no longer work because you just nailed him to a tree in the middle of a garden. So does love work? Well, from the perspective of that old fallen Adam, the answer is no. But does love work? Well, from the perspective of the truth and the new Adam, the answer is yes. Yes, 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 absolutely, wonderfully, completely yes. Not only does love work, love is the only thing that works. And love works through His Word. Jesus who gives you life, He is the life. So I cannot work love, but love is always working me through His Word. Listen to 1 Corinthians with the word Jesus plugged in now. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. Jesus is not arrogant or rude. Jesus does not insist on his own, isn't that amazing? Does not insist on his own way. Jesus is not irritable or resentful. Jesus does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus bears all things, believes all, see this is love, love does this. Jesus bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Jesus never ends. Jesus never fails Even when we work him to death on a tree Jesus is working us to life On the very same tree Love never fails Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things Love never ends Love is the end And at the tree I come to the end of me The tree is the end of me. For at the tree I begin to see that I have crucified love to create me. The tree is the end of me and the beginning of him in me. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. And then this is the literal translation of, of the Greek. I live by faith of the son of God who loved me and delivered himself up For me, at the tree I lose my life My psyche and I find it In other words, at the tree I'm saved We American evangelicals Have made it sound like that is a one-time decision Salvation by grace through faith We made it sound like it is a one-time decision And so I think we may have created an entire empire Of first-grade Christians, first-grader Christians, people who name the name of Jesus but don't know who he is and therefore who love is and what love means. God loves first graders. It's not bad. He just wants us to grow up. Salvation is not a one-time decision after which you're done. Salvation is the surrender of every decision to the decision of God, and the decision of God is love. Get this, love is God's decision. And so we ask, well, gosh, if love is God's decision, should I even try? Should I even try? Well, of course you should try. Don't you want to try? It's just that trying doesn't create love. God is love. You don't create love. You've got to get that out of, your, out of your head. Trying doesn't create love. Trying reveals when and where you don't love so you can surrender to love and be used by love who doesn't just use you as a tool. <laughs> he uses you as his very own body and his bride. So should you try and be nice to the dog? Well, yeah. Doesn't love in you want to be nice to the dog? And should you try to love your wife? Yeah, I mean, doesn't, I understand a part of you doesn't want to love your wife, but doesn't a part of you want to, to love your wife? Love her with that part. And shouldn't you try to go on that Mexico mission trip with Vince and Allison? Yeah, maybe so. Doesn't love want you to grow? So maybe you should go. But now listen very carefully. If you think that love is only a law, like knowledge you could take from a tree, the trip may kill you. But if, on the other hand, you believe that love is your Lord, the trip will bring you life. See, this is what will happen, I think. You'll, you'll get down there, and you'll meet some child, like the one in Allison's slides, and, well, you'll you'll fall in love. You will love. What I mean is the love will just rise up within you, whether you want it to or, or not. You will love. But love will also reveal when and where and how you don't love. If you believe that love is a law that people can fulfill, well, you'll get angry at people for hurting that child that you have come to love, you'll probably be, you'll you'll probably blame Donald Trump. You'll look at the border wall and you'll blame Donald Trump and you will be unable to love Donald Trump. And then you will probably blame Mexico. And then you'll be unable to love Mexicans. And then you'll probably blame yourself because you say, oh, I should love more. I should love, I'm such a bad, I shouldn't even, I'm such a bad, I shouldn't even be here. You, you'll, you'll blame yourself and be unable to love yourself. And you'll eventually blame the child and be unable to love that orphan child. You won't love them, all those people, but you'll use them trying to love and so you'll crucify love. If you believe that love is just a law that people can fulfill, you'll become full of yourself and crucify Christ, you'll become a Pharisee, a vessel of wrath. You'll experience wrath. And and, and, and you'll give wrath, you'll be full of of wrath. St. Paul writes that at one time, we were all children of wrath like the rest of of mankind. If you believe love is a law that people can fulfill, but, If, on the other hand, you believe that love is your Lord, your living Lord, then habitually, daily, even constantly, I think you'll confess how you don't love. And in that place that you uh, confess that that, that you, you don't love, that place called sin, you'll receive love, which I think the Bible calls grace, and then you'll give birth to more and more love, and you'll begin to move in love as God's very body of love, a vessel of mercy. Mercy. And that means you won't be proud of love, as if love were your own creation. But you will be grateful for love, as if you were love's creation. And then, and then you won't be false. You'll be true. Romans 9, Paul writes this. So it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? And then Paul quotes Isaiah. Will what is molded say to its molder? Why have you made me thus? Why have you made me thus? Has the potter no right over the clay? And then Paul quotes Hosea. In the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, I think that would be a pretty wrathful place. In the very place it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. It's like we all take knowledge of love and we try to make ourselves in the image of love, but we only make vessels of wrath. At the cross, our arrogance is destroyed. It melts in our chest, like wax in, in, in our heart. Psalm 22:14. 14, my heart is like wax. It is melted in my chest. Jesus recited that psalm on the cross as he bore our sins to destruction. At the cross, our arrogance is melted like wax, and in the place we experienced wrath, we are now filled with mercy. And that's how God creates vessels of mercy. Romans 11, Paul concludes his thoughts on vessels of wrath and mercy by writing, God consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Second Corinthians four he writes, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, jars of clay to show that the transcendent power belongs to God and not to us. The transcendent power is love. So the hands of the potter, they ripped clay from the stream bed. They stored him in a cold, dark container. They took him out and beat him and beat him and beat him. And then they cut him. They, they needed him. This is what you do. And then they cut him some more and kneaded him some more and slapped him and threw cold water on him and beat him some more until he was mushed. They placed him on a table called a potter's wheel and they spun him round and round and round. And then the potter thrust his hands deep into the wound to make a cavity, an empty space in in the clay. He, he then plus. Place clay in, in, in an oven, and clay cried out, Where is God, and why have you made me thus? Where is God? Well, God is the potter, and clay is the clay. I'd like you to meet clay. Clay. Th- this, is what, this is what clay used to look like. Just a pile of mush. But this is clay now. <laughs> I met him in Krakow, Poland, in a pottery shop. Right after I toured um, Auschwitz and Birkenau, or Buchenwald, or however you say it. I bought him as a gift from my bride. Love is the potter and you are the clay. Does love work? Oh yeah, yes, 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 absolutely, wonderfully, incredibly, yes, love is working you right now. And love will not fail. and this is why God has made you thus. (laughs) All the fullness of God in vessels of clay. It's fascinating to me that when Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6 he he, you know he quotes it in the New Testament is in Greek That he does not uh, use the imperative tense In Mark 12, uh, he does use the imperative tense for the part about hearing. You must hear that God is one. In other words, he's not love and something else. He's not love and the opposite of love. So you need to hear that God is one, God's undivided, God is love. Hear is in the imperative tense, but love in, in all counts in the Gospels is in the future active indicative tense. Not you should, but you will. So Jesus literally says this, is this good news or what? You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and you will, you will love your neighbor as yourself. And remember, this is the truth that is speaking, you will. You, you, You will love yourself, you will love your neighbor, and you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. How does he know that? Who does Jesus think he is? The word of the creator through whom all things are created? Maybe so. You know, when I think that I must create love, that I must make love work, I begin to judge myself. I'm always asking, what's wrong with me? I begin to judge myself, I begin to judge my my neighbors, worry about myself, and compete with my neighbors. I become full of myself and full of myself. I can't receive love and and I can't give love. But when I believe that love is working in me and everyone around me, when, when I believe that love is the potter and every neighbor is the clay, well, then I don't compete with my neighbors. I have compassion on my neighbors, and I begin to love my neighbors. Oh, wow, that, I know what that's like, spinning around on that table. I love you. Ooh, and thank you for loving me. And, and I, I love you. That furnace sucks. But, but hey, I, I love you. And, and, and I love you. And I love you. And all these earthen vessels become what? Blood vessels in one body circulating life and love that is always, always happy. Ha'adam, the Adam. In the beginning, love said, let us make Ha'adam, in our own image and likeness. So does love work? On the night the word of love was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. In the morning, his body of clay would be broken on the tree. Blood would flow out of the body, and the blood would form a river. That morning, he had taken the cup and said, This cup is the covenant in my blood. Drink of it, all of you. This is my Lord God, I thank you that this is my story, for in the beginning you said, let us make man, ha-adam. Let us make Peter in our own image, the image of love. And because you are love, we know that you will not fail, and you will do what you have decided to do, because nothing is stronger than your will, but also nothing is better than your will. For if you revealed your will, you' have revealed your will on a cross, our Lord Jesus. And so Lord God, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.